Okay. Boom. Three, two, uno. I know what's happening. This is the podcast that's a little loud. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this is, uh, we're, we're doing another episode of the podcast, Frank. What do you think about that? It's a thing. It, it's happening. Oh, boy. <laughs> so we're recording remote today. Yes. Uh, welcome back to another episode of Nerds of Unusual Origin. I am your host, Steve. And I'm Frank. And Nerds of Unusual Origin is a weekly podcast where we take a deep dive into the culture that is nerd. We'll discuss movies, TV shows, and a bunch of other stuff that we obsess over. All right. Um, yes. So we'll just jump right into it. Um, what are we going to talk about? All right. So um, we're gonna we're gonna kind of do a brief overview of of Loki so far. Uh, admittedly, I'm not as caught up as Steve is, so um, we're gonna do like a spoiler free discussion of Loki, and then. Um, uh, we're going to go over our movie rewatch of the week, which was The Martian. Movie and, and book rewatch. Y- yes, that's right. Yeah, you reread the book. Um, I've read it quite a few times, so I'm, I'm pretty pretty good on that. And um, also a little bit of Star Wars news, which oh. I thought was pretty interesting, and Steve is probably going to hate. I'm in the so. dark, so you can tell me this <laughs> nice. as it comes. <laughs> uh, Sweet. So yeah, let's just uh, actually no. Uh, before we jump into anything, uh, we're gonna do two drunk dads or one drunk dad. Yes, I'm doing water today. <laughs> yeah. So a drunk dad. Uh, all right. So you know, typically during this segment, you guys know we both pick a beer to drink, and um, Steve is uh, choosing to abstain today. So it's just gonna be me flying solo. So I have in my hand uh, actually a gift from Steve. It's a Greater Good Funk Daddy, so an Imperial Sour IPA. And uh, I drank one of these uh, with you, Steve, over the weekend, and it was delicious. But I'm going to enjoy another one. Sweet. I yeah. I would have done it, but one I like severely threw my back out this weekend or this week, like yesterday. And two, I don't think I have another one because I think I drank two and gave you two. <laughs> so ah, I'm just go. going to uh, open my already opened Polar Seltzer Strawberry Margarita and there you uh, go. take a big old swig. It's all good. So right off the bat, you get nothing but hops. Which is weird because the taste is completely not what you think. Yeah, exactly. And then when you drink it, it's literally like, grapefruit and the sourness of a fresh grapefruit so it's very good i'm i'm a fan it's it's definitely it's excellent yeah i don't hate uh, it i'm a i'm 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 a fan of it it's it's a weird taste and you got to get used to it but whatever oh uh, see i love sours so i'm just like i'm all over it i love sours and i love citrus and uh, i don't really like bitter stuff so this is a, an ipa that i approve of nice they have eight percent too. So is it? Hits. I forgot that. I thought it was like five point mm-hmm. three or something. Mm-mm. I think most IPAs are at least like six and a half or seven, aren't they? No, there's a lot of IPAs that are like five. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, interesting. I always thought that they were kind of like. All has to do with the fer- fermentation process. Mm-hmm. 
the longer it's fermented, the higher the ABV. Yeah. But yeah, it's excellent. I like it. Sweet. My, uh, my seltzer's pretty ballin' as well. I like the strawberry margarita oh polar. God. It's definitely pretty good. I keep pressing buttons. I almost went left this page. <laughs> Push all the buttons. No, I don't even know. Oh, no. Okay. Uh, yep. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, let's just jump into yep. Loki and, and go from there. Yeah, sure. What uh, I I won't talk about anything because you're obviously not caught up, but I'm relatively caught up. Well, I'm only up on episode up to episode two. Um, admittedly, I haven't had a hell of a lot of like time or opportunity to watch um, any of the other episodes, and I've been avoiding all the news and like social media posts um regarding it because i don't want to be like a hundred percent spoiled you know but it's kind of funny because i don't even know where it's going and i'm on episode four <laughs> like well that, that's not a bad thing no not at all it's just it, it's very like you don't really understand i mean like you understand what's happening but you don't see where it's going you know what i mean right but anyways, episode two, um, what happened? Refresh my memory. It's been a couple weeks. So episode two basically ended with um, the reveal of the variant that they were chasing, which was the, the, the chick. Okay. Okay. The girl there. Did they already go to the, the like end of the world and everything? I don't believe so. Okay. Nope. Well, I do know that they do kind of go around in the next episode, but uh, no, I mean, when I say that, I should say, did, did they, did they ever go to the store at the, in the apocalypse? No. Okay. That's the third episode. Okay. okay. I'm not giving anything away. Okay. No, that's fine. That, I mean, it's just, you know, <laughs> a setting is not a plot point. Exactly. Usually, so. like, yeah. Yeah. If anything, would, the one thing that I might have given away is that they find out that she's she's hiding in an apocalypse. Okay. Did you know that there was All a right. lady Loki? Uh, no, I didn't. Whoops. <laughs> well, I mean, no, I like they revealed who she like they revealed the character in the, at the end of episode two. Oh, okay. You know that they were chasing like a lady Loki, basically. You know, like like his his variant was actually her okay so i thought you know and that's that's basically where i ended up so that's not that's not blowing it for okay me at all. all right I, okay i thought i started screwing stuff up for you oh no not at all okay perfect that works um yeah. that being said i mean i it, i liked it i like the episodes it's it's good i yeah it's starting to like obviously become a trend that Marvel just shrouds everything in secrecy and kind of waits until the very last episode to kick it into high gear. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know. I, it works, but it's also annoying. I is this one slated for eight or ten episodes? Six. Six. Yep. Holy crap! Okay. Next week, this coming, this next Wednesday, which is like the tenth. The 11th is the final episode. Um, Falcon and Winter Soldier was six episodes, wasn't it? Yes. The only one that okay. was more was uh, WandaVision. WandaVision, right, right. Interesting. Yeah, um, I mean, yeah. 
you, you have to think like they're they're doing forty five minute episodes. Yep. So they're telling like an entire epic in that allotted time. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I mean, if you were to piece everything together into a movie, it'd be a hell of a long movie. Exactly. You know, son of a bitch. I'm not so, tired. No, it's okay. <laughs> it's okay to be tired. We are recording a little bit late. Later so, than normal. Late, yeah, late in the evening. I mean, it's currently 10 past 10 at night. So uh, um, huh. So we might not go the full hour today. But no. That's okay. We won't. And I'm <laughs> just so you know, I'm telling everybody, raw dog in it. We're going just straight up. What? We're, we're, <laughs> yeah, that sounded Oh, weird. you're just, you're literally not even going to edit this and just chuck it up. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I don't. <laughs> I digest. <laughs> oh God. All right. Yeah. So, so yeah, Loki, uh, hopefully, uh, I'll be able to catch up on it this weekend and then next week we could actually like have a, you know, a meaningful discussion about it. Yes. We, we did slate some guests, but it has a lot to do with Loki. So next week yep. we should have those guests come on. Nice. So That's exciting. Wheat. Um, yes. so now that we got that out of the way, why don't we just, uh, talk about the Martian? Do you want to talk about the right. book first or do you want to talk about the movie first? Oh, whatever blows your skirt up. I'm, I'm down for anything on this one. So, so, all right, I'll, we'll talk about the book first. I read the book for the okay. first time, not the first, I read the book the first time, probably three years ago. And I loved it. I think it was right before the movie. No, maybe it was five years ago. Uh, mm-hmm. I think there's a way to look. I'm going to see, cause I think I might've bought it when the movie was coming out so i could well get it came out in 2011 the book so yeah the book came out in 2011 and the movie was 2015 okay um what the hell did i buy it on audible yeah which that's what i have it which on. begs me to answer answer me this question begs sure. me to ask this question if you yeah. listened to a book on audiobook did you still read it Okay, so me and my wife have had this debate because, as I've stated, she is an avid reader, and um, she firmly is in the camp of listening to an audiobook is reading the audiobook, is reading the book. Okay. Um, now, my overly logical brain can't separate the act of reading from the act of listening to something. So I have a hard time completely saying, yes, if you listened to a book, you've read the book because you're not actually like turning pages either electronically or, or, or physically in front of you. Um, and, and, and also I find that most audiobooks are a dramatization. So the narrator is um, putting their own inflections in and, you know, giving you their own take on, on the story and not necessarily letting your imagination fully, you know, create the world. So, but at the same, but, but then after I started listening to audiobooks like crazy, I, I pretty much only listen to audiobooks or podcasts all day, every day. And, um, I've, I've somewhat changed on that, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I kind of, I kind of think that listening to an audiobook would be considered reading the book, as All long right. as it's un, as long as it's unabridged, you know. Yeah. I. I mean, I. Because I... ultimately, you're absorbing all of the, 
written all of the information. information that the author intended you to to take in. You know. Okay. I, I I don't have the mental capacity to continue reading a book over and over again. It, does that make? Yeah. I'm not stupid. I just have ADHD. <laughs> yeah. But like, I can straight up just listen to people talk for hours. So anytime I, you know, want to read something or whatever, I buy the audiobook. And yeah, I think I did. While you were talking, I did uh, uh, the proper looking up. I bought the book in 2016, and I bought mm-hmm. the movie right after, so I could compare the two. Never right. got the chance to do it with anybody until today. <clears throat> yeah. So, but yeah, I I do like the book. Uh, you know the the whole thing the the how technical it was, even though the guy had not like he has no. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, no knowledge of anything really other than, you know, the story. He, he got all of his, his stuff from, you know, people who work from net for NASA and everything else. And the numbers and everything are crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, so Andy Weir, uh, was the author of the book. And so a little bit on his, his background. So his, um, his parents were uh, one of his parents was a particle physicist. Oh, I'm totally wrong. And his other, his other parent was an electrical engineer and his background is in, um, computer science. So he does have some knowledge of, you know, of science. Um, but as far as like, you know, any kind of space travel or, 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 or anything to do with space, um, you know, he was kind of in the dark, but an interesting, um, Basically, like like an it's a little, an interesting way that he go, went about writing this um, was he basically was writing a blog. He would post he he'd write some of the story and then he posted on his blog, and he would get um, each like each post he would get feedback, feedback yeah. from people, and it started to garner some attention in the scientific <laughs> and uh, he basically started interacting with some people at NASA, including astronauts. And so that's why the science of the book is so grounded and so um, solid. It is, it is very real science as, you know, as, as accurate as you can get minus some of the more futuristic details. Like obviously we haven't landed on Mars, so we don't know exactly how we will survive or and um, you know the fusion drive thing on on the Hermes, the ship that they use, you know, that like that technology isn't quite there yet. So so there was some artistic license taken, but as far as all of the problems that um, Mark Watney encounters and stuff, they're all grounded in real science, you know, yes. and all of his all of his solutions and stuff that he comes up with and all his MacGyver type of stuff, you know, it's all grounded in real science. With so, as with the, I'm looking this up as you were saying, the fusion yeah. drive is conceptual and it's in phase two of the design. Yeah, so yeah, I mean, yeah, we're working on on some of that stuff. Like it's it, it's it's not it's set in the not too distant future, you know. Do they so, even say when it's set? Twenty thirty five. Oh, do they do yeah. they say that in the book? Um, I think they do. 
but at least according to uh, Wikipedia, it, it starts in um, 2035. That's when the Ares 3 mission takes place. Okay. Which is Mark Watney's mission to Mars. Okay, that's cool. Yep. It's, uh, you know, 15 years, 14 years from right now. Right, yeah. I don't know so why I just definitely clicked, not, sorry. Definitely not too <laughs> distant future. Um, which I think is why so I, that's I think that's why the book, in my opinion, is so approachable because it's not just pulled out of his ass, set in any kind of fantasy type of thing. You he know? gave it, it a long enough uh, jump in time that it, it is everything in that book is entirely possible. It could be, yeah. It, it definitely could be, you know. Um, but anyway, yeah. So let's let's talk a little bit about the book, you uh, know. So before you do that, what, I want to say. My, your rant is the reason why you should not trust me to, to lead it. <laughs> Which <laughs> rant is that? No, the, the like you you knew all of the stuff about Mark, not Mark Watney. Wow, about Mark. Oh, Andy, Andy Weir. Weir. That I had absolutely no idea. I'm sitting here being like, you talked to some people from NASA. Nope, no. Nope. <laughs> you, you have the information. I'm I'm gonna stop talking out of my ass. <laughs> oh no no no! It's it, it's fine. I um, yeah I. I I, I've listened to a couple of interviews with, with Andy Weir and, and stuff and watched a couple on YouTube because he's just kind of like an interesting, like he's a pretty down to earth guy. And, um, like the, because the, because the, the book is so detailed, I kind of wanted to find out how he got all that information, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of why I know some of that. And, you know, he's, he's quickly turned into one of my favorite authors. I've read, I've read all of his major publications. So, um, you know, I read, I read this, I read Artemis and his newer book, um, Project Hail Mary, you know? Mm -hmm. So, so I really like him. So I've done a little bit of background research, but, um, but yeah. So what did you, I mean, the first time that you that you read the book, what was your impression of it? I really enjoyed it. I, I had a lot of fun listening to it. Um, mm -hmm. it, it it's it, it kept me engaged, and that's really hard to do over and over and over again. And I, I listened to the whole thing in like three days. Yeah, it, to the point where I think I was listening to it to and from work on my like while I was at work, and you know any free time I had. Oh yeah, it's. I mean, it is a page turner, whether or not you listen to it or you read it. It's, it's, it's easily classified as a page turner, you know, like you don't, you, you know, there's always something right around the corner and you don't want to like put the book down until, you, you know, without knowing what's, what's happening or how he gets out of the next predicament. Um, you know, it's, it really is. Yeah. It's, it's an easy read and it's an easy listen because of that, you know? Um, and it's not, it isn't too long, you know? So the book is only like 370 pages, I think. Really? You know? Yeah. Which is not, it's not a very long book. And even the audio book is only, it's only like an eight hour book or eight and a half hour book. It's not, it's not a terribly long book, which I'm happy about because it does get pretty, I, I like one of the things, the first time that I read the book, one of the things that I had a little bit of a hard time wrapping my head around was the, just the sheer amount of data and information and detail 
in the problem solving thing as far as like math goes and, and the science of it. I wasn't expecting that. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. You know, like, like they don't just say like, oh, he adapted the water reclaimer to, you know, uh, suck up moisture in the atmosphere to water his potatoes. They don't say that. It's like two pages worth of detail on how that happened and how he worked through the problem, which makes it very, very realistic. Um, but the first time that I, that I listened to it, I was like, oh my God, this really goes pretty deep. You know, I was a bit shocked because I wasn't ready for that. Yeah, I, I I do enjoy the fact that like he he had that much knowledge put into the book and and talked about how you know something happens, how he made the condensation happen. Actually, I think the condensation mm-hmm. was the book. Either way, oh no, the book and the movie. It was in both the book and the movie. Oh, okay. He definitely, yeah, he definitely in in the book and the movie. He definitely went through and how he like had to burn. You know how he had to like have that small fire burning to to um, convert the hydrazine or whatever the hell it was. It was hydrazine. You had it correct. Yeah. So, um, and uh, you know, one of the things that makes the the book so easy to get through is Mark Watney's general attitude. He's a kidder. He's a kidder, and he, no matter how much he shit he goes through and how much crap he has to shovel his way through literally literally and figuratively (laughs) like he never loses hope hope to an extent i mean there are there are situations that he finds himself in which seem genuinely hopeless you know um but he's he's got a real he has that kind of like determination you know, and, and it makes you, you know, it makes you empathize with this situation. Cause it's like, it's like, okay, this happened. Let's see how he gets out of it. You know? Yeah. I, I, I really, really, I, I mean, I keep saying I like the book, but like, it's hard to grab my attention and it has to be like, I have to be completely engaged and, and This thing, like, it kind of made me, I go through these things, like, I I see or hear something that I really like, and then I get stuck in the rabbit hole. And this was one of those books where I was just stuck in the rabbit hole. Right. Like, I I looked up, like, you know, hydrazine. I looked up, like, you know, if if that was the way that he was able to make water and, not water, but you know what I mean. Yeah. Um, So, it's... The amount of stuff that was in it was awesome. Yeah. I feel like I'm yeah, talking definitely. in circles, but you, you understand. Well, no, point. no. Like, well, you know, another, another good thing about Mark Watney's personality, like you ne- you're never rooting against him. He never does anything that makes you second guess your, um, you know, whether or not he's the guy that you should be rooting for, you know? Yes. Uh, like you want him to survive. Absolutely. So they, they, they do a really good job of, of, really making you empathize with with this situation and not making you be like, well, sucks for him, <laughs> you yeah. know, and then you, you just kind of like get over it. Um, so one person that I, I watched an interview about, um, I watched Adam Savage interview commander, Chris Hadfield, um, who was, um, he was, you know, he's a, he's an astronaut 
with oh, yeah. NASA and and one of the one of the most experienced astronauts in the history of NASA. And um he basically was asking, you know, Adam was asking Commander Hadfield about, you know, how accurate was the Martian, you know, in terms of capturing what an astronaut goes through and what they're prepared for. And he said, you know, so, yeah, obviously some of the science is unrealistic because it hasn't been invented yet. You know, these events haven't happened yet. So it's kind of hard to like, you know, completely say how accurate that it was from that aspect. But he did say that the mentality of um, Mark Watney and the other astronauts on the, on the mission was extremely accurate. You know, how like if something goes wrong or, uh, you know, something terrible happens while you're out in space, the most dangerous and unforgiving environment in the universe, you know, like how it's super important to just like stay level headed mm -hmm. and, you know, and really kind of like have your shit together and be able to adapt to any situation that comes up. He did say that he really nailed that kind of attitude and he could picture like Mark Watney as an actual astronaut you know so <clears throat> i thought that was super interesting um uh, it's actually really it's a really interesting interview it's on the it's on um the tested youtube channel i'm gonna have to um, to pay to take a look at that because I, I yeah i, I it's do a pretty long it. yeah it's a pretty long interview you know it's all it's like 45 minutes or an hour long or something but um it, it is really interesting to kind of like get the insight um on that and i and i yeah, it, it it just it makes it it makes it a much more credible story. You know? Yeah. Uh, that so. that being said, and talking about you know him talking to Chris Hatfield and whatnot, I I did have to look up whether whether or not Neil deGrasse Tyson chimed in on this movie, and boy oh, did boy. he. <laughs> oh, I'm sure. Uh, so one of the things he said was uh, evidence that the Martian movie is all fantasy. All who make important decisions are scientifically literate, meaning like, you know, all the people in the movie they kind of. In the book, like they they kind of needed to be taught things. Yeah. Um, one of the other things is uh, the the USA and China cooperate with one another in space. But the cool thing is, is he said, uh, the Martian movie is where you learn all the ways that being scientifically literate can save your life, mm -hmm. and that they got the crucial science right while enhancing the story by fictionalizing the science that remained. Yeah, I, I, that's a, that's a good sum up of it. You yeah, know, for sure. Um, uh, like I, so I've, the, yeah, I've seen some of the things. Sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I've seen some no, of the things fine. that he uh, he said about some of the other movies, and this is surprisingly uh, low on the totem pole. <laughs> you mean as t in terms of the amount of shit that he gives? Oh things? yeah, he he yeah. tears movies apart. Yeah, that that's kind of a shame. It's like just appreciate the art, bud. You know, like suspend your, you know, get your, your suspension of uh, disbelief or whatever it is, you know. But um, anyway, that's Neil deGrasse Tyson. That's neither here nor there. Yeah. You so know, sometimes I think he's hamming it up too. Yeah. You know? I, I think I, I listen to a lot of his things with Joe Rogan and he, what oh, he God. does is he likes to, no, he, he likes to, you know, <laughs> make sure everybody knows that they're like what's real and what isn't while, but he also enjoys the movies that he sees. Yeah. So that, that's pretty much just his forte. Right. Yeah. Yeah. 
So, well, let's let's move into the movie a little bit. Absolutely. Um, so uh, we we rewatched the movie this week. Uh, I watched it with my wife and um, my wife. With my wife, she's my wife. Is nice, and um, you know, yeah, it's the the movie. It 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 does that thing that adaptations have to deal with where it's like, you know, obviously you can't put everything in the book. So like, let's just pick the most important things that move the plot forward, you know? And I think they did a pretty decent job of it. I would Um, argue that they did a lot to it. They, there wasn't much from the book that wasn't in the movie, whether it be, you know, on a screen whether it be like wherever, but they, they pretty much talked about almost everything from the book in the movie. Yeah. The, the, the major plot points were all there. You know what the I mean? The face you just made when I was saying that. <laughs> well, it's cause like, I agree with some of what you're saying, but I do have some, I do have a couple of gripes about the movie uh, on the whole. I liked it. I really did like the movie and I have no problem rewatching it anytime, but Comparing it to what I agree, preparation H does feel good (sighs) on the whole. So this is a thing that Steve wants to do. Where anytime I say on the whole, he wants to play that soundbite. So (laughs) just to let you guys in on the inside joke, um, but basically, uh, so great. No, go ahead. (laughs) I'm not going to play it again. (laughs) You derailed my train of thought here. Um, Oh yeah. So I do have a couple of gripes with the movie. Um, I I did like it, you know, I'll rewatch it anytime, but um, basically in my opinion, the movie made it seem much easier for him to survive than what happened in the book. Can I ask how? So the movie moves along at a pretty good pace. You know, even Mm -hmm. when he encounters a problem, like when he basically blows himself up trying to make the hydrazine the first time. Greatest scene in the movie. (laughs) It's wicked funny, you know, but and it's used to comedic effect. You know, but it just happens in like a snap. And then the next, it cuts back to him trying it again, like right away. And, and, you know, there isn't a lot of like, um, you don't get the sense that what just happened takes like time how to horrible like, yeah. that actually is, you know, like, <laughs> you know, yes. and, and how actually dangerous it was that that actually happened. I think so. You don't really, you don't get a sense of that. Um, and, and, they they did just make it a little bit too easy. Like in the book, he he really struggles with when he, when his drive from uh, Scaparelli to um, from Acidalia oh, Planitia to Scaparelli. Yeah, from Alci- yeah from Acidalia to, to Scaparelli. That journey in the book is absolute hell. You know, you got to figure that journey takes him what almost over a year. No, or, or it was almost, like fifty or, or something. Fifty or sixty days. Okay, but right, yeah, you're right, but like. Like that's that, that journey was absolute hell for him. You could only like, they kind of touch on it in the movie, but like, you know, he's got to travel for four hours and then set up a ton of stuff to like recharge the batteries and basically wait for 18 hours or whatever it was, or 20 hours before he can drive for another four hours and charge the batteries up again. 
you know, so it's arduous and then they completely skip over all of the troubles and bullshit that he encounters on the way. Yeah. You know, like they, they really breezed over that, that journey and they made it seem really easy. They, they, even the, the change in terrain was a big pain in the ass for him to deal with in the book. But in the movie, it's just, he's just cruising along highway one Oh one. Yeah. They don't even talk about the terrain of the Scaparelli crater or the way there. Yeah. So like in the book, you know, he encounters a massive dust storm that he doesn't know is coming because it's it's so big that it, it he gradually starts getting into it and gradually starts losing battery power and doesn't realize what's going on until he's in the middle of the storm basically and the reason for that is because in the book he loses all communication with earth you yes. know like he shorts out the 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 rover um not the rover. He shorts no, out. He shorts um, out Pathfinder. No, he doesn't short out Pathfinder. He shorts out the communication in the the um the rover itself. The the um, right. The rover is the the drivable thing, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He the rover's the drivable that. thing. Path Pathfinder's the little buggy that he goes and rescues in order to communicate with Earth. You yes. Know? So like while he's drilling those holes in the roof of the of the rover, which the movie made look extremely easy but in the book we know how much of a hellish struggle that yeah, was that's one of the things they did change is he didn't like destroy the, yeah. the communication yeah. so he always has communication with earth in the movie so like just from that it's a lot easier you know and then like i said he doesn't encounter the dust storm he doesn't roll his rover down the side of the crater like he does in in the book you know like it, th- there's there's just a few things where they kind of just they left out of the movie altogether, and I understand why they had to. I mean, the movie was two plus hours long. Yeah, and it you, was pretty. Got to make some cuts, but um, in my opinion, it was just like once he had his shit together and he was ready to go, it was just a bit too easy. And the only thing to me that makes it seem like any bit of a struggle was when they were doing the body double shots where you saw Matt Damon all scrawny and skinny and malnourished. Yes. You know, that that made it seem pretty... Like, he doesn't even mentally really break down too much. Yes, I know what you mean. Yeah, you know? he, the only time you really see him get emotional is when, I think when the fir- in the movie when he talks to Martinez the first time, you see him kind of laugh and, and give a little bit of a, a sigh cry type thing. Well, when the um, when he when the the airlock blows in the hab in the movie, yep. and then afterwards he's in the rover and he completely loses his shit and starts punching it and screaming and crying and like that's when you realize that he is under some serious stress. But that's the only time that it really that like you really get a the the feel of how damaged this guy is. Yeah, you know, like mentally. So I don't know. Like, I mean, it's a great movie. It's entertaining. I, I, I would rate it pretty high as, in terms of like what a movie is. But as far as like a book ad- adaptation, not my favorite book adaptation. Really? Yeah. I enjoyed it from, from the uh, book. Cause it was, it was, it was almost too close to the book while not being close enough. You know, um, me and my wife were talking about this. And we compare my it to wife. one in a way. And like, 
we both love the book Ready Player One, and we both loved the movie Ready Player One because the movie was so different from the book. I hated the like, book because it was so different from the movie. I mean, I hated yeah, the movie like, because it was so different from the book. Right, yeah. Like, it was so different to the point where I could look at it as its own standalone thing, you know, because like, yes, the 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 general plot was the same, but how they arrived there was completely different, you know, than than the book. Whereas the Martian, it was like, excuse me, the Martian, they were close enough to the book, but kind of not close enough, you know, for for me. I get it. I I, I know what you mean. You yeah. You kind of want either it to be exactly the same or just different enough that it's not right. the same. Like I could deal, I could do with like a three hour director's cut of the movie where maybe they threw in a bit more stuff that happens. Yes. Um, I mean, and the movie's totally like, it's a two plus hour movie. I think it's two hours and 20 minutes. It does not feel like that at all. No. Like really, it, it, it feels you the much time. Yeah, it feels much faster. Um, so because of that, I think they could have gotten away with um, putting in a little bit more stuff that goes on. So I agree. But but the performances though, there there wasn't a there wasn't a dud really in the whole entire cast. That and like there were so many stars in that movie. Yes, it's like Kristen Wiig. Uh, um, Jeff, I almost said Jeff Bridges. Uh, no, Jeff Daniels. Jeff Daniels. <laughs> um, Bridges. Yeah, Jessica Chastain, Jeff Daniels, Kristen Wiig, Sean, Sean Bean, and he doesn't die. Thank God for that. Spoiler you alert. Know. You know, Sean Bean, yeah. is uh, he's in The Lord of the Rings. And yeah, they he, talk about The Lord of the Rings and the, uh, the so Council good. of Elrond. So good. My wife loved that. Like... When she saw that it was Sean Bean, she was like, hold on a second. And then they do the whole Council of Elrond scene. She's like, whoa, that's meta. <laughs> yeah. Uh, then there's Michael Pena, there's Sebastian Stan. Yeah. Like Donnie Glover, Donald Glover. Yep. Sorry, Donald, not Donnie, Donnie. Glover, but Donald, <laughs> Donald Glover. I know I'm talking like, like I know him. Like Donnie, what's buddy. up, buddy? <laughs> yeah, Donald Glover, who, who, excellent. Another, yet another great screen performance from him. You know, he, he was good in solo. Anything and he, he does is great. Benedict Wong. So, like, you've got some, like, Marvel crossover. Sebastian Stan, Benedict Wong. You know, like, that's pretty awesome. I mean, Kristen Wiig did, you know, a DC movie, but still, you can kind of count that. Kristen Wiig did a shitty DC movie. Uh, I didn't mind Wonder Woman 84. I thought it was okay. Okay, you're wrong. But it's okay. fine. It was fine. Okay. It was fine. but yeah like it it was really good i really enjoyed it benedict wong did a really good job yes yes i i I thought i I thought his take of bruce was great i was totally okay with that you know i sean bean did a really good job at the adaptation Mm -hmm. teddy teddy was like mm, hit or miss for me but he still yeah performance was good yeah i yeah jeff daniels did good i mean he played the straight man you know, because that's the character in the book. He's very straight and very, just give me the facts and I'll make my judgment based upon the facts and I won't let any emotion come into it whatsoever. So he, he did get that down, but I didn't think that his character in the movie was as imposing as it is in the books. 
Yes. You know? Yeah. It, but, it, yeah. Like obviously, so the big, the big, um, the enemy that you know to use it as a term in the book is the planet Mars. Essentially, you know, like that's that's what our hero is constantly fighting against. But also in the book, it is Teddy a little bit. You know, Teddy wants him to survive, so it's not like one of those kind of you know things. But Teddy's going at, at it in a very right-brained way. You know, like just do whatever the lowest risk thing is. He's and, trying to save the crew instead of you know saving. Yeah, he he knows that and he's trying he, to. Yeah, he's trying to deal with it from like a PR nightmare point of view too. You know, like he's going at it from like what's best for NASA, not maybe not necessarily what's best for you know Mark Watney. Yeah, I, I know exactly I know what you're saying. <clears throat> so, I mean, it's, he's a good foil to Sean Bean's character, but at the same time, he's not quite as imposing as he is in the book. Yes. You know, all of that being said, yeah. Knowing that you don't like the adaptation of the book, what would you give it for a score for a movie? Yes. Like if, if, if I was just in the mood to like watch a movie, it's, it's, a, I'd go like out of five stars. I'd give it a solid four. Okay, I'm I'm right you know, there with you. And at the lowest, I you know, if I was in a cynical mood, I would say 3.8, but that would but like I I think it's a 4, you know. Okay. I don't yeah, yeah, I I wasn't a massive fan of it as an adaptation, but as a movie standalone movie by itself, yeah, I'm I'm totally happy with it. And I really like what they did at the end with Mark Watney's character, how they buttoned it up instead of it just ending with him being rescued. It was like, well, here's what he did after he was rescued. Yeah. You know, they don't do that in the book. I, I love the, I love the, like, yes, before anybody asks, I did survive on the planet Mars by eating potatoes, growing yep. on my own shit. <laughs> yes. Yes. It was great. Yep. For our next week's, uh, classic movie rewatch, I got the perfect movie. Well, you didn't say what, how, what you thought of it. I said, I'm right What's there with your you rating? for four. Oh, okay. I didn't know that that's... Okay. Yeah, I gave it I a four as well. I mean, yeah, I, I like, think I think I liked it a little bit more as an adaptation than you did, but that mm-hmm. is, it's not a bad thing. Um, sure. Uh, you, you, you look a little more into details than I do, as weird as that <laughs> sounds, because there's other things that I look into details of that I, I shouldn't, whatever. But, like, yeah, it, it's... I, I liked it. it. I was able to, you know, separate everything from it. Um separate the two as a whole and put them together at the same time is what I mean. Right. Uh, so starting that back over, uh, okay. The movie we're going to watch next week is the 1989 teenage mutant Ninja turtles. Oh, okay. Interesting. And for anybody who wants to watch it with us, uh, you can rent it on anything, but I do believe I looked it up and it is available on HBO max. It is on HBO Max. I've I watched it a few months ago on HBO Max, actually, just for fun. Well, now you have to watch it again. <laughs> yeah, me and um, me and the kids have watched the Michael Bay Ninja Turtles movie oh, a couple of few times. Boy. I hate that. And um, so I tried to get them to watch the old, you know, the one from my childhood, and it uh, didn't go over quite as well. I'm starting to notice, like, like there's but, a lot of movies. Sorry, go ahead, but. I was going to say, I can explain that after our rewatch. Okay. 
Well, I, I might even just cover it right here, but I, I'm starting to notice the movies we loved as kids were never directed to be towards kids like the Goonies, Ghostbusters, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. It was all super dark, but we loved it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's true. Um, Which is kind of funny because the eighties was definitely the time of make a movie to sell toys. Yes. You know? Um, But I think, Yeah, I don't know. I I mean, you're right. It, it's an interesting thing to kind of think about. Like, why why did those movies that were geared towards, you know, maybe a mature audience connect with so many kids? Yeah. I mean, you know, I was five when I discovered Ghostbusters. And, like, right. it's been my favorite movie ever since. I'm 36 years old. Like, I, you know. Yeah. It, it's, it's weird to think Sorry, about. I, I, I was yawning. That's all okay. <laughs> um, all right. Yeah. So that that's that's good. I love that movie. Asshole. First time I first time I ever watched it was in first grade. So well shit. We'll get into all of that next week. I we'll save that for the podcast. Ah, a spoiler. So, I am still just be, for anybody asking, I am still working on that special guest. If it if it comes to fruition, you guys will be the first to know. Obviously, yep. You'll just know when they come on. Anyways, mm. so you want to tell me something that I'm probably gonna hate? So go ahead and tell me. Okay. So some interesting Star Wars news this week. Um, so this week Disney announced Star Wars Visions. So Star Wars Visions is a new anthology season have, you know, obviously, obviously having to do with star Wars, but the unique take on this, which hasn't been explored too much before is that it's all anime. So it's, it's, um, they basically went to, I think, studios, um, and, had each studio come up with their own star Wars story. And so they're going to release all these as like an anthology series. Um, I think next year and it, there's a trailer for it and I think it looks pretty cool. I'm, I'm really interested to see, you know, a, a, another culture's take on, um, on the star Wars, uh, universe. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm pretty pumped about it. Yeah. I'm not signing up for that one. So that's uh, fine. <laughs> that's fine. I mean, so star Wars is rooted in like, it, it's really rooted in two major types of cinema. One would be the flash Gordon serials of the twenties and thirties. And, um, the other part thing would be, um, Akira Kurosawa's films, um, the samurai, um, films. especially, yeah, especially the hidden fortress. Um, so like it, it, I can totally see, you know, this working in a Japanese presentation, you know? Yeah. So I, I guess I, I can see what you mean knowing that yeah. a little more. 
So yeah, I'm definitely going to check it out. I mean, each episode is its own standalone thing, you know? So it's not like a whole series that you have to watch from beginning to end. It's, you know, you can watch any episode at random and, and it'll make sense to you, you know? Oh, thank God. Yeah. yeah it's definitely <laughs> not a series. Like it's nothing you have to stay attached to. If, or, you know, you can bow out at any time or dip in at any time. So, okay. So I'll, I'll leave it up to you to tell me which ones I should watch. Okay. Okay. That's, that's fine. Okay. So it's September 22nd. That's when it's actually going to be released. Okay. Sweet. Of this year. Okay. Yeah. Now that, now so that we know that, um, yeah, you know, so for, for both of you anime fans out there in the audience, you can join in with me. Mm, yeah. I'm not, I'm not there. <laughs> so you guys can just talk to him about it. <laughs> um, Alrighty. Uh, we have nothing else to talk about. We hit time. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, short episode, we started late. Um, you know, I didn't have a lot to talk about with Loki. So, you know, just a nice quick, quick little bite this week. Yeah. Um, before we get going, do you want to tell everybody where they can find us? Yep. So, you know, we're on the social medias on Instagram at nerds of unusual origin on Facebook at nerds of unusual origin, um obviously you're listening to us on your podcast player of choice but if anybody asks we're on stitcher spotify apple overcast um yeah overcast like all the all that crap the fun all, all the casts all the casters were there so go the ahead and pod check us out. catchers yes and 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 find us on facebook and and stuff and and instagram and interact with us we're not the most active people but you know we, we really do enjoy you know, getting into a discussion with, with folks. So yes, shoot us a message. Shout out a like, to a comment. Uh, my buddy, Mike, who just left our, my post office to go run another post office. I told mm-hmm. him I'd say, I give him a shout out. <laughs> <laughs> and also, okay, Mike, our number one fan, Zach Ernst. Whoop. Yes. Let me take that one out. Our number one fan, Zach. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, yep, he f- frequently uh, frequently comments on on our stuff, so that's 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 awesome. I do agree, sir. I do yep. agree. So, Steve, any recommendations? I do have a recommendation. I uh, yeah. I've been waiting till I had my own copy to pick it up, and I uh, I got, I got it the other day at my uh, daughter's second birthday party, and I started reading the Killing Joke, the Batman. Uh, miniseries sorry oh the nice. killing joke the, the batman uh book and mm-hmm. it is phenomenal <laughs> nice yes i i thoroughly enjoy it maybe i'll talk about it graphic novel yeah yes yep uh what about you uh so my uh recommendation is um a book called i am c3po uh, the inside story by Anthony Daniels, who played C-3PO in every single Star Wars movie and, uh, you know, also s- all the spinoffs and everything. So uh, it's a great story on his perspective and um, his background on how he created the character of C-3PO and, and his experience portraying him for the past 30 years. The one thing I do want to say about, you know, uh, Star Wars mm-hmm. in general is the consistency that they've had for the past 40 years. 
right is is phenomenal i mean they they do what they can if, if you know somebody unfortunately passes away they find the next best thing uh, which obviously isn't ideal but they do what they right. can in a bind like peter mayhew had surgery to replay chewbacca for the first of the the three new sequels mm-hmm. that's ridiculous the dude didn't walk for like 20 years oh yeah like yeah it's it's it, it is it is pretty impressive when when you look at how they can handle things like that and you know the fact that anthony daniels you know 1977 you know a new hope comes out and he has managed to squeeze into the exact same costume for the past 40 years like it's that's pretty impressive you know um but yeah, it's a great story, uh, especially the audiobook. He narrates it himself. Uh, does he do and, it in C three PO's voice? He d- it, it he does he does the voice now and then, and it it hits you. It gives you all the feels whenever it comes up. So okay, yeah, it, it's a really interesting perspective on on that character, and and a surprising amount of insight from Anthony Daniels and a lot of his views on the Star Wars universe are probably surprising to a lot of people so it's 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 a good it's a good read and a great listen huh. so that's my recommendation i'm definitely gonna have to li- watch that re-listen to yeah. it wow yeah it's on audible and all that other crap so perfect um yes we're done uh frank's mm-hmm. gonna guzzle his beer yeah i gotta pound this thing before i go to bed uh we are nerds of unusual origin i am steve and i am frank and may the force be with you oh boy Where's that? Say that again. I said, and I am Frank. May the force be with you. (laughs) 